0: granted us and given us your word, which is our absolute authority for all that we do. You've also, to those who are yours, imparted your divine nature. So we have become partakers of that divine nature. And it is by that that we are able to appropriate your grace and to walk by the Spirit. So we ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us As we look once again into these truths and examine them for uh, your glory and for our profit, because we know truly as we apply these principles that they will honor and glorify you. We just pray that you guide us now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Yes, Carol. I'm going to deal that with the women's section. Are you planning on something there? Was that a warning or? or? No, I will be dealing with the attitude towards that and conflicts. But that's going to be after we look at the roles. The question was here, are we going to uh, address perhaps to the husbands when there's a wife who is rebellious or disobedient to the Lord, how one would respond? And and my answer to that is we will, but we're going to deal with that after we uh, examine the distinct roles as given by Scripture. We're going to examine that in light of confrontation and communication, which is further on down the road. Um, Last couple of weeks, uh, we've looked at a couple of passages. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Then last week, we began with Ephesians 5 and verse 23. And first thing we learned as we examine 1 Peter 3, was that husbands are to be learners. That is, they are to live with their wives in an understanding way, that they might be able to love them more effectively, learning more about their needs. And we discovered that that's a lifelong process. Uh, When couple gets married, they go through different stages in which there's different needs that arise. When a couple first gets married, of course, there's no children in most cases, unless they've adopted or had children in the past. So they're getting married and they're learning about each other and developing that relationship with one another. So that's the first stage of marriage. And then Those that have children adjust to that. They're learning a new responsibility. They've brought together into their relationship a child and then more children. And so that role of the husband is gradually building to a more greater responsibility for those that have children. Those that don't have children, this responsibility still continue to grow Because in the relationship, man and woman have different uh, functions, but they're also distinctly different by their very nature and makeup. So it is a process in which the relationship is constantly changing and should be constantly growing in their love for one another and their love for the Lord. Now, as we looked at, just began to look at Ephesians, we saw also that part of the husband's role is that of headship. That is, he's the authority that God has given over the woman. Now, when a man abdicates that authority, in other words, when he relinquishes that authority, the natural response for the woman is to take that authority. Because, remember, when we looked at the fall, the desire of the woman for her husband was not a desire, a uh, sensual desire, but it was a desire to control her husband. And that was in Genesis 3. And as we looked at the husband after the fall, he wants to dominate and have dominion over his wife rather than lovingly lead his wife. So out of the Spirit, or one who is not under the authority of God's Word, that's the natural response in a relationship. So if a man relinquishes his responsibility of authority in the household, the wife is going to automatically take that over. Unless she's led by the Spirit of God and continues to be submissive. We're going to address the wives in our next lesson. In that role. Now, I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks, uh, and in lieu of that, Jim is going to do a, ser- a short series, three week series. So, I want you to uh, consider now this headship, this authoritative role. The man has a great responsibility here. We've been given that responsibility. So, what would be some of the men's responsibilities as we think of a man being the head of the household as a Christian man, what would be some of the roles of responsibility for that man? Marsha always tells me, give him time. Thomas.
1: As a Christian man, I think a primary role is... His
0: relationship with God. Okay, excellent. As Thomas said, the primary role of the husband as an authority in a Christian marriage is that of spiritual oversight. He is to oversee the family spiritually. That is to give spiritual guidance, spiritual instruction, and spiritual oversight. So that's the primary goal of the Christian man in the marriage. What's another responsibility of that and authority in the household? Okay, excellent. Dorothy points out, guarding the weaker vessel. Now, we looked at that in context of 1 Peter 3, 7 of the man living with the woman in an understanding way regarding her as the weaker vessel. Now, we looked at that weaker vessel not as being less intelligent or less spiritual, and we recognize their spiritual equals in Christ, man and woman. We're all one in Christ. But the woman, as designed by God, is the weaker vessel. So the man is to watch over his wife as the weaker vessel, To guard her, protect her, to provide for her. So that's a key function in the male's role in the marriage. Any other responsibilities that a man's given? Providing. The provision. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, now the context is talking about widows, but it says in 1 Timothy 5.8, if a man doesn't provide for his own and especially those of his own household, he's denied the faith, and he is worse than an infidel. So one of the predominant roles of the husband is to provide for his wife and for the family. Any others? Any other roles? Well, I would assume that if you've worked and you've retired, that you would have some you have generated some source of income, at least in our society. And you're still there as a provider, because you're still there as a providing headship and leadership in a household, and you're providing protection for your wife. You're also providing for her as the weaker vessel. So you're still there as a provider of all those essential things in marriage. Now, uh, we could get into a lot of discussion as to roles and function in regards to... Uh, there's sometimes when both husband and wife work. Sometimes a wife generates more resource or income than a husband. And we're not discussing the levels of income. We're talking about the responsibility. We're talking about the major understanding of man's responsibility, he is the provider in the household. Okay, so those are some of the uh, calls to the husband. Now, it seems like an awesome responsibility. I mean, we think of headship and we're the authority. From the world's perspective, it's one who dominates and takes control. You know, his wife just is a servant to him. That's the world's perspective. But as we look at Ephesians, when Paul addresses the Ephesians, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. So the love that we have for our wives is a sacrificial love. In Romans 5.8, we see the sacrificial love that Christ has for the church In that yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the worthiness of the world was not there to generate God's love. God loves the world because of his divine nature. It isn't because the world deserved that. If we had to qualify for God's love by our deeds, then no one would qualify. So God's love for man is unconditional, and it is given because of his divine nature. Now, Paul calls men to love their wives in that way, sacrificially, who gave his life. Some men say, well, I would die for my wife. That's noble, and we should be willing to do so. Are you also prepared to live for her? You see, this whole thing is prefaced in Ephesians 5 with verse 21. Submit yourselves one to another. It's a mutual submission. The role of the submission to the husband is that of being submitted to the Lord to the place of servitude for his wife. His authoritative role is that of submission. When we think of the Lord... Coming here on earth, Lord God, creator. Jesus walked amongst the disciples. He didn't seek to have people serve him. He demonstrated the attitude of a leader by being a servant. He took up a vase or vessel, filled it with water. He washed the disciples' feet. The God, creator God, Lord God of the universe, knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. He demonstrated that kind of servitude to the disciples as fully God and fully man. So that's the attitude that Paul is trying to communicate here in this text in Ephesians. If we understood this, men, there would be little negative response from our wives in the home. I would venture to say there would never be a negative response. Ron. I have a practical experience. A, um, a couple of years ago, I was, just, I was doing a project, doing
1: building, I Told him that that sounds reasonable, but I would have to talk to Bonnie. One of the good, good well meaning Christian friends comes in and starts telling me how I should have been before he make that decision. And yes, ultimately, it is my decision that I needed. I thought I a lot better about letting Bonnie have input into that because it was a very substantial.
0: Excellent illustration. Here's an illustration that Ron gives where he had a situation in his job, which he was using, the job in which he provided, in which he had to make a financial decision to rectify a problem. Before he did so, he wanted to consult with his wife. He would make the ultimate decision, but he wanted her to be brought in to. situation. Now, that's a classic example of mutual submission. She wasn't going to exercise authority over the job site. He wanted to bring her in, and as we as husbands should be, even in our leadership, able to bring our wives in to consult, to take advice, to hear. She is our helpmate, our completion. She sometimes will have greater insight than we will in some areas. I certainly acknowledge that with my wife. When it comes to finances or accounting, she, I look to her. And yet, when we make a decision, the responsibility of that decision comes back on me. But we'll discuss things. So that's a good illustration of mutual submission. Now... <clears throat> This mutual submission is also the aspect of that sacrificial love. We know that in a marriage, we're each gifted, we each have different talents, our makeup is totally different, and we looked at some illustrations of that a couple of weeks ago, but as we consider this aspect of submitting one to another, there is extreme importance of understanding that in that, we're still, we as husbands are under the authority of the Lord. And even though we're over our wives in authority, we're submitting to the Lord and we're submitting to one another. Still with the spiritual oversight and being the final authority in the home. Does that make sense? Can you look at that in light of, the authority structure, and yet the submission structure. Man is submitted to Christ, and yet he's head over the woman. Woman is submitted to the man in the Lord. So it all ties together. We're all submitted to Christ. So if we're submitted to Christ, we're not going to do anything or say anything or uh, do anything outside of God's will that would bring harm To our spouse. When we do, we need to be able to acknowledge that first of all to the Lord, and second of all, and most secondly important, is that to bring it to our wives. If we have sinned against our wives, we need to be able to confess it first to the Lord, then to go to our wives and ask forgiveness. Here is where husbands have a difficult time sometimes because of our pride. We don't want to acknowledge when we do something wrong or we'll try to shift the blame or even justify what we do. Now, if you haven't done that, see me after class and I'll talk to you about that. We've all done it to some degree. We have to acknowledge that God wants us to honor our wives in every way. So if we've done something to harm them or sin against them, we need to go to them. And... As we'll look at here, we have to try to consider how to live with them in an understanding way. Somebody last week, when we considered living with them in an understanding way, it was two weeks ago, and I think it was Chris, is one of the things we have to understand is our wives' weaknesses and their strengths. There's some areas where our wives are very strong. And so they can function in certain elements and under certain conditions with a great deal of strength, and we seem to learn from that, and they add greatly to the marriage. There's other areas where our wives may be weak and vulnerable. We have to learn those things as husbands and guard them in those areas, protect our wives in those areas. So that is part of the husband's role is learning these areas of strengths and weaknesses. As we love our wives sacrificially, uh, it's a be for a husband, it's being able to humble ourselves. Now um, when we think of it from the world's view, That love in which man and woman start to build a relationship on, if it's from the world's love, it's based on what? Attraction, appeal, all the things that are external that change. So if our love is not based on Christ's love, when those elements change, personality, looks, appeal, then that love diminishes. But in Christ, the type of love that God's called us to, it only grows. It's enhanced because it's not based on worth. It's based on pure aspect of God's divine love working through us. Does that make sense? But along with that, that love is from the heart and it is also from the will. So we are willfully choosing to love our wives in that way, which is sacrificial. As we do so, there's going to be a deeper level of attraction than on the physical level. Because we build a relationship on an entirely different basis than the world of love. Phileo, friendship, love, is, you know, you like me, I like you. You do something to hurt me, I may not like you. But agape love is unconditional. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. It doesn't seek its own. It's not puffed up. It's patient. All those elements of agape love, as we consider that in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 4, we have to understand those elements of love are beyond the superficial worldly love that many marriages are built on and fall apart once that love starts to wane. As soon as that wanes, they say, well, you know, I don't have the same feeling anymore. I'm just not quite up to this. So, you know, they part their ways. The antithesis of that is the kind of love that Paul has called husbands to love their wives. That kind of love is sacrificial, always willing to be sacrificially loving our wives and doing everything we can for them. I can't explain to you how convicting it is as I study these precepts again and how meaningful, (coughs) excuse me, It is for me to look into this on that level. As you exegete a passage of scripture such as this, you can't help but be convicted by the depth of that love that God's called us to, to our wives. Excuse me. Yes? Yes, Steve? I'm
1: struggling a little bit with this concept
0: of mutual submission.
1: Okay. That is applied in marriage. Yes. what I'm thinking is, I am in submission to Christ. Right. Now Christ loves me and serves me sacrificially, washing feet, dying for me. I mean, he, he does sacrifice and love me, but that does not mean to me that he is <coughs> submitting to me. Uh, so so I guess when I when I see the relationship with my wife, I would say you know she is submitted to Christ also in the same way, and he loves her. Now, I am to she submits to me as the authority just like I submit to Christ. But I love
0: Submit, when it comes to the wives, is the word hupataso which means to line up under or line up under authority to. It's a military term. In verse 21, it says, submit yourselves one to another. <clears throat> and that is what I'm speaking of when we talk about husbands. And you hit it on the head. God doesn't submit to man in any way, shape, or form, so God's not in that verse. This is talking about the husband and wife in relationship to submission. When we look at the authoritative structure, that's over in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Christ is the head of man, man is the head of woman, and God is the head of <clears throat> yes, we're submitting to ourselves, Not uh, that isn't in the sense where the woman usurps the authority over the man, and what you said in that statement is the type of submission the husband has. It is in our sacrificial love for our wives that we are submitting, because ultimately we're submitting to Christ. And in our love, our sacrificial love, we're submitting ourselves for our wives. In other words, we are giving our lives for our wives, and that's a total and complete submission. As Christ submitted himself to the cross for the church, we are submitting ourselves, first of all, to the Lord, and second of all, to our wives. That's the kind of submission. That I'm speaking of. Does that make sense?
1: I don't know exactly. Okay. I, I, I see. I'm hearing what you're saying, but when the previous verse says mutual submission, uh, there's no change there. It's the same kind of submission. It's got to be the same kind of submission, one to another. Right. So, is it referring to brothers, like the unity of Christ, as in the previous chapter, chapter four, no. and walking the script, talking about we submit to each other as believers? Um, as authorities are given.
0: Okay, the context, we have to always... That generally will dictate the use of the word. Context is using the structure of husband and wife. So as we begin, we have to go back to verse 18, showing that the only way we can do this is being filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Then as a result of that... We are submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Then it goes right into wives submitting to their own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband, in verse 23, is the head of the household, just as Christ, or is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. So the headship there, which means authority over is not relinquished when a man is submitting mutually to his wife. It isn't relinquishing the authoritative role. It is submitting and honoring her and living with her in a way that's honoring her and understanding her. So if we weren't, then it would be more of a worldly dictatorship. We would have this dominant authority. If we weren't submitting to her needs, In other words, we look at our wives and we say, okay, my wife has got this on her schedule, this on her schedule. We'll just use a physical example. And I've got this on my schedule and I've got to do this. So how can I love my wife and serve her in this way? I'm going to try to take some of those things away from her. I'm going to try to relinquish some of her load. I'm going to be interceding for her prayerfully. And I'm going to be submitted to the Lord, but I'm going to be humbling myself and taking some of her load away from her, mutually submitting. And that is, I'm going to show my love for her by submitting my concerns for her over my own concerns. In other words, it's, a, it's somewhat of a Philippians 2, considering her is more important than myself. I'm not relinqu- relinquishing my headship. I'm not relinquishing the responsibility of authority over her. I'm simply submitting in a way of exercising that sacrificial love to her and for her. We'll have to keep going. I I'm, I don't know if I can explain it any better. So if there's any more questions, I'll try to address it. Marsha. Okay, well, yeah, we have to make and understand the difference between uh, essence, that is the equality of man and woman in Christ, and function, the authority submission role. So, having made that, yes? It sounds like you were making, uh, at the beginning, you were making a distinction between
1: submitting to and submitting for. Oh, okay. You said yeah. that Jesus doesn't submit to us, but then you did say he did submit himself for us. In love, yeah. And with Good that point
0: restriction, apply then to, to the husband submitting be for his wife instead of submitting to, to her, you know, using the word as a military journal. Right. Husband, know, right. Doing yeah. Good point. Uh I may have conveyed at the beginning of this uh that role of submission in the authoritative role as mutual submission there. And in essence, what I was trying to convey is that submission is submitting ourselves in love to and for our wives as the example that Christ gave by sacrificially dying for us. He wasn't living in submission to man. He was living in submission to the Father and yet died as an act of his love for us, showing that sacrificial love. Good point. Okay, so as we consider this, The objective of man over for his wife is that of understanding, living her, loving her as Christ loves the church. And if we understand the sacrificial love, it comes out in a way where he is showing his desire. He's showing preference to her desire, excuse me, her opinions, her preferences and her welfare, and setting our own aside. That's what a man does as he lives this kind of love, or loves in such a way. For a believer uh, forgiven of sin, we have Paul going on, uh, we've been forgiven of our sin at the time of salvation. So Paul goes on to say, um, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Um, As we think of this sacrificial love, it's also a sanctifying love. Um, When we're saved, were cleansed completely. And when Christ uh, washed the feet of the disciples, the practice of bathing in that period of time was they would take a complete bath before they would go out. And then when they traveled from place to place, the only place that they had to worry about was their feet because they had sandals and their feet would accumulate dirt and dust. and So he said, if your feet are clean, your whole body is then clean. That's the essence of that example. When we are saved, we are sanctified by the word and the washing of the word. In other words, we're regenerate through the word of God, through our faith in Christ, by God's grace. In the same way, the husband... His desire is for his wife's sanctification. As we think of that, how is that implemented? We're protective of her spiritually. We want to make sure that she isn't polluted by the world. We're going to guard her from any kind of defilement spiritually as we can. And if we see her uh, doing or saying or reading or watching something that would be harmful to her, we help her to remove that element from her life because we don't want her to be contaminated with the sin of the world. So a man's role, that's part of the spiritual oversight of the man's role, is protecting his wife in that way. And that's why Paul brings this in um that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing by the word. That he might present her her to himself, he's using the church here, as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So uh, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. As we think about... um, Taking care of ourselves. Well, we should take care of ourselves. We should be careful about what we eat. Though, I kind of mess up there sometimes. Um, we should be careful to get adequate rest. We should have adequate exercise. These kind of things, because why? Because the body is what the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should take care of ourselves, not to to the point of obsession. But in the same way, as we take care of our bodies, we should be guarding our wives in that way. And so that uh, we're not talking about the physical realm here. We're talking about loving our wives even more than we love our own bodies. Because if we don't take care of our bodies, we're going to suffer a consequence. If we do take care of our bodies, we'll have more fulfillment in our daily activities. So in the same way, we're to love our wives because no one hated their own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. We should nourish and cherish our wives with that same attitude. Rob. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an excellent point, and that's what Paul is going to say here as we continue this text, because for we are members of his body, speaking of Christ, of his flesh and bones. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That's the unique union that man has with woman in marriage. That is the one flesh. And what man has joined together, or what God has joined together, let no man separate. So Paul is giving a complete divine picture here of marriage, a perfect picture. The perfect unity that we have in that submissive, authoritative submission role. The perfect love that man has for his wife, that sacrificial love, and that perfect protective oversight that man has for his wife, as well as that union that we have. One man, one woman, one flesh. So this complete picture that Paul gives in this short text here is a perfect example of God's design for man and woman in marriage. By the way, as we think of this purifying or making sure that... uh, We guard our wives from any impurity. If a young man (coughs) is uh, courting a young woman for marriage, and in any way, because he says he loves her, wants her to compromise her purity, that's not godly love, that's lust. So as young women, as we think of this, or young men, when it comes to a place of courtship, which I'm not talking about dating, but when it comes time for courtship and marriage, there should not be a compromise. That young man and that young woman should remain pure unto marriage. That's the way God designed it. Another thing, when a man's, how he, how a woman sees the man in light of What is his character? You can look at a young man and see how they treat their mother. And that is often how a man will treat a woman later on in marriage. That's a good measure. Now, sometimes a man will mature and repent of mistreating his parent. But that's a good measure for a woman to make an observation there. How does one respect and love his parents. Okay. So when Paul tells us that Christ cleansed the church by the washing of the water, he means by the agency of the word. <clears throat> so that it may be presented to Christ as the pure bride and forever to dwell with him in his love. one <clears> of the hardest Excellent point. And this is something I think men wrestle with. And by the way, uh, Thomas will be organizing this for us. But uh, I want to have a separate meeting with the men. There's some things I would like to review with men that um, would be better done with husbands. And as Steve pointed this out, it's extremely important for husbands to keep their minds pure. Because if we don't keep our minds pure, we are not going to be able to guard our wives. In a day and age when sexual perversion is everywhere, we have to guard ourselves, guard our eyes. Job made a covenant with his eyes. Paul says this in regards to what Steve said. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should not become disqualified. So it isn't a matter of trying to take a pharmaceutical approach here. It's a matter of self-examination and being able to humble ourselves before the Lord and deal with these essence of impurities or immoral thoughts or whatever it may be so that then we can lovingly guide our wives. But it starts with us. man. Yeah. We have to maintain that moral purity and that's what God has called us to. That's why Paul could say to Timothy, flee youthful lust. You know, some young men before marriage think, well, boy, when I get married, I won't have all these uh, appetites and distractions. I'll be able to have all my fulfillment. Well, I have to tell you this that um, and I'll quote a man that uh, was came back out of the mission field uh, from Africa and he stayed with us for a couple of weeks when he was doing a missions conference here and he met with the men one morning early five thirty and he said, men, he said, I want to talk to you about moral purity and we all kind of looked at him you know and, okay <clears throat> he said i'm uh, my mid-70s, blind in one eye, and he said, Is there anyone that doesn't struggle with moral impurity or improper thoughts? Of course, nobody raised their hand, and he said, That is a battle that you'll deal with till you go to the grave. He said, So you have to make it a point, men, to be able to go before the Lord daily, making sure that we keep our minds pure. That's a battle. And if you don't think it's a battle, then we'll have a discussion afterwards as well. We have to acknowledge that. And what Steve said is extremely important here. We cannot oversee and protect and guard our wives if we're not guarding our own heart. So we have to watch that and examine ourselves daily before the Lord. Don't give any provision to the, for the flesh or make any provision for the flesh. I don't care whether it's some of you men get on computers and you're working that's part of your work. Guard yourselves. Take every precaution not to allow any of those immoral things. What you watch. The media, what you read, be careful, man, because Satan wants to sift you. He wants nothing more than to destroy a man's relationship, first of all, with his Lord. Second of all, in the marriage. So a husband, uh, in order to love his wife in this way, has to do so, first of all, with being able to be walk in the Spirit. And in order to do that, we have to have a right relationship. Short accounts with sin. We have to be submitted to the Lord, and we have to be able to walk according to His Word. When we fail, men, please be able to humble yourselves. Go to the Lord with that. Then go to your spouses. Keep Short accounts. Love your wife enough to be able to say, you know, I did this or did this. You know, I'm, please forgive me. I'm sorry for my attitude. Sorry that I got angry at you today. Sometimes I have to do that on a way to, you know, church. I mean, I can't stand up here if I haven't gone before the Lord. Some of you are nudging each other. I I, can identify with that. <clears throat> All I have to bring to conclude this is, men, this is an ongoing process. Don't become discouraged in this process. It's a process that we're all learning and growing in. And understand this. God, Those of you men that are here as husbands, God has blessed you with a gift. Cherish that gift. Nurture that gift. And provide in every way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, for your spouse, the things that they need to maintain that unity in marriage. We can sometimes, you know, be casual. We should never be casual about our relationship with our wives. should never become mundane. If you're married for 10 years or 50 years, You should still have that excitement towards your wife. You should still look forward to doing things with your wife. You should still have that friendship and that relationship to where you can have fun together, enjoy one another's company, and at the same time pray together, read together, grow together in Christ. It's a blessing. It's a gift from God. Cherish that gift. So as we uh, pick up next time, wives, we're going to discuss the role and function of the wife. Now, I say that, and I say it with all uh, sincerity. It's an exciting study. And men, I invite you to come along so that you'll have a better idea of how you can support your wife in that role and function. So I thank you for your patience, and I... Thank you greatly for your comments and input. If there is anything that's, I'm going along here, I'm covering a lot of turf, please don't hesitate to talk to me. I'll be out of town for a few weeks, but I'll be back. <laughs> okay, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love for us. And Lord, we do thank you for the sanctity of marriage, that you ordained marriage, that you granted us this, this lovely and gracious gift. And Father, we want to honor that with our lives, but it's only as we submit to you that we can do so. We just give you praise for your word, for your Holy Spirit that enables us and empowers us to obey you. We thank you for your grace daily. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and your mercies that are new every morning. Help us, Lord, to be humble before you and before each other, that we may honor one another in Christ's love. We just pray this in Jesus' name, amen.